obedience. The least popular path, or <laughs> the least popular path to the life you actually want. Some of this message is directed particularly to the kids and other parts aren't. This morning's message is intended only for people who are currently children or have been children in the past but still have parents or are parents of children or are parents of adult children who from time to time still act like little children. I should apologize. Everyone else can just sit quietly and be happy. I think we covered all of you, didn't we? Anybody get left out of that? It's been said, we learn the most important things about life in the context of family. Interesting thought, isn't it? A famous American business leader once said, everything I needed to learn for success in business, I learned by the time I graduated kindergarten. Hmm. The lessons we teach our children, absolutely critical to a good life. I want to start this morning with a newly minted modern-day parable. Uh, one day a mother got up, realized she had things to do. The house was a mess from the day before. They had gone to bed late. She decided to write a note to her daughter, lovely young lady. In the note she said, Please wash the dishes. I'll see you when I get home. The daughter got up. She found the note. And she went, because oh. she hated washing dishes. She'd rather do anything than wash dishes. But there's the note. And as she started to think about it, she realized, you know, I'm supposed to be happy in life. But I love my mom. And I think what I'll do, yeah, that's what I'll do. So she went out in the garage, got on her bicycle, rode her bike to the store with her own money, bought her mom a nice card, and even bought a flower to go along with it. She took it home. She was so pleased with herself. Mom's really going to like this. She left it on the dining room table. Mom comes home after work. She sees the flower, she sees the card, and she reads the card before discovering that the dishes were still stacked up in the sink and on the counters and the dishes hadn't been done. We can be like that sometimes. Preferring to sacrifice something rather than just obey. Father, help us today to enjoy being in your presence and enjoy hearing your word and help us to understand and make 
right choices about what to do with what your word says. We love you, Lord, and we ask you to help us. Amen? A similar parable of Jesus can be found in Matthew 21, verses 28 through 32. We won't go read that explicitly, but it's that parable he told his disciples about the two sons. And he asks the first son, would you please go out and work in the vineyard today? And the first son says, yeah, or no. First son says, no, I don't want to. And he takes off. And of course, later he realizes that was wrong. And he went ahead and started working, spent his day in the vineyard. The second son says, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Ah, good, obedience, right? But he didn't really want to do that. And he found something else to do. Hmm. What did the father, what was he pleased with, of course? He was pleased with the obedience, even if the words that were said were different. Yep. Last week we looked at Ephesians 5, beginning at verse 22. Thank you, Preston, for handling that passage that can be so unpopular. Uh, I'm not sure which of us got the most unpopular section of <laughs> Ephesians. We looked closely at the word submit and we need or, and the need for sacrifice in the context of marriage. This week we'll see a similar but different word that looms large over family life. Of course, the word is obey. The dictionary definition is not very nuanced. It means follow the commands or guidance of, or to conform to, or comply with. Pretty simple. No surprise there. Here in Ephesians, it's used to describe the relationship of children to their parents and to the children's Lord. According to verse 1 of chapter 6, children are to obey their parents in the Lord. Let's read that passage real quickly here. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Hmm. Obey. Seems like kids really, really don't like that word. Maybe it reads a little softer in the NIV. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, honor your father, and that's the same. That little, little feels a little harsh. Let's see what the New American Standard Bible, trans, how do they translate it? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, first commandment. Mm, yep, that's the same. Maybe the New King James Version. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. 
Man, you'd think they were copying each other, wouldn't you? Okay, one final try to get something a little softer and easier to chew. The good old King James Version. Children. Yeah, you know the next word. Obey. Obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with thee. And thou mayest live long on the earth. Ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Isn't it fun to hear that old English? But bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Okay. We're not really going to be able to get away from this word, obey. The whole idea of children expecting to obey their parents has always been very simple. But a hard sell, right? They don't want to buy that message. You see, we're asking them to obey, even though they don't have much experience in seeing the messes we humans make when we don't obey. They don't know that it's going to turn out poorly. And even in the children, the flesh is strong. To make matters worse, they were born with the DNA we gave them. And so, in some cases, the sins of the father are repeated. Back when we were mostly a nation of farmers, most people knew what it meant to hobble a horse. To keep a horse from running off, a farmer would sometimes fasten together its legs with short ropes so it couldn't take a full stride. The horse was, in effect, handicapped without actually hurting the horse. That's a picture of a spiritual reality that has plagued our race since our ancestors were thrown out of Eden. We each enter life hobbled and handicapped by an inherited sin nature. It is this inherent inclination, this natural-born bent towards sin that so thoroughly complicates our lives together as families. It's there. We can't avoid it. It seems that even as babies, we discover that there are other people in the world and they have rules, and we we quickly learn words that cause us trouble for a lifetime. Excuse me. Some of the first things we learn to say are, no. Mine. I want. Closely followed by, I don't want. When words and phrases like these are combined with whining and screaming, life for the whole family, maybe for the neighbors too, can reach DEFCOM 4 or 5. We're quite naturally good at pursuing our own agendas, aren't we? Hmm. Interesting to note that in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, being disobedient to parent, disobedient to parents is in the list of characteristics of the wicked generation of the last days. 
My kids have always been wicked. <laughs> kids have always been disobedient. <laughs> kids don't let a spiteful, rebellious, disobedient heart turn you away from your parents and the Lord, your creator. God's going to help you deal with a heart that doesn't naturally want to obey. How often these days does God find himself being disregarded or ignored in favor of a very old lie? This is a lie in the form of a question that's really designed to have an impact of a statement, a rhetorical question, we call it. It starts like this. Did God really say course, we can add a lot of things after that. For today, we'll deal with, did God really say, children, obey your parents? Now, did you notice that just like that old serpent, the father of lies, I left out part of the sentence. What God said was, children, obey your parents in the Lord. That's an important difference, and we'll look at that some more this morning. Calvary kids, do you love God? I don't mean in theory, or because you're supposed to, you're trying to be obedient to your parents. Do you really love God? What do you do to show God that you love him? As you get older and continue to grow and you're reading your Bible and you go through those first five books of the Bible, you might get the idea that the thing God really likes most is sacrifice. He kept telling the children of Israel to give him sacrifices. Blood sacrifices, guilt sacrifices, grain offerings, first fruits offerings, Burnt offerings, new moon sacrifices, bulls, sheep, lambs, doves. The list goes on. It'd be really easy to conclude that what God wants most of all are sacrifices. They're what make them happy. That's what makes them happy, right? Not always. The sacrifices were what opened access to God before Jesus came and was the final sacrifice. Thank you, Lord. Before Jesus, sacrifices kept the relationship with God open. Sacrifices were useful, but he was most pleased when the children of Israel would humbly just do what he told them to do. That's all. Obedience was what made him the happiest. I think Hosea 6.6 is up there on the screen. The sacrifices made in exactly the right way and at exactly the right time would cover their sin and give them righteous standing with God. Sacrifices were usually made to pay a penalty for their sin and show repentance to Yahweh. Sadly, our sin can be so embedded in us that we're not right even when we're doing the right thing. Sin can be so deeply rooted in us that we're not right 
even when we're doing right things. There were times when God basically said to the Israelites, your sacrifices make me sick because your hearts are far from me. I'd rather have your obedience than your sacrifice. He said that directly through the prophet Samuel to King Saul. And Saul had decided to do something that God said, but he was going to do it his way. Didn't turn out well at all. When the Apostle Paul was talking to the children of the Ephesian church, he said, obey your parents in the Lord. It was a way of saying, do what they tell you to do. Live how they're instructing you because you belong to the Lord. And when you obey your parents... You're obeying the Lord. And this is the right way to live. In God's eyes, obedience is the good stuff. Listen to how God was pleased with Uzziah, a young king of Judah. Uzziah was 16 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jechaliah. Expecting parents? There's a good one for you. Jechaliah of Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. He set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. Obedience, that's the good stuff. That's what God is watching for. That's who God wants to bless According to Job 34, 21, for his eyes are always on a man and he sees all his steps. His eyes are on the righteous, Psalm 34, 15. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. There's a God-ordained order to life both in heaven and on earth. Living in the age of grace does not mean that we can do as we please and God just doesn't care anymore. No, God still cares a lot. Why? Because he's holy. That is such a big word. He's holy and he still commands us to be holy as he is holy. Which sounds like a big ask. Why would he ask us to do something we can't do? He wouldn't. He gives us his Holy Spirit so that we can do the right things, so that we can actually live holy lives. He's not asking without helping. This means us becoming more and more like Jesus, we're his servants. Serving him is our real job, no matter who on earth gives us a paycheck. Serving him is our real job. In this age of grace, sacrificing to God usually involves our time, our money, or our stuff. Sacrificing these things can certainly be good. However, obedience to the Lord, which is done in the Lord, 
that is obeying God's desire for us, empowered by God's spirit in us, that's better than sacrifice. Because obedience brings our hearts into line, into submission, and that makes us more like Jesus. The Christ-likeness that he's building in us affects us in at least two ways. First, it increases our capacity, our capacity for holiness. And second, it ignites our willingness to be obedient. At one time when we were dead in our sins, we did not have the capacity to obey and to live submitted lives. When we were made alive in Jesus Christ, we became able to obey. We sometimes lack the willingness to obey, but fixing our eyes on Jesus and his kingdom maintains a right perspective, which strengthens our willingness to obey. How do we fix our eyes on Jesus? Won't we trip over other stuff if we're always looking at him? It's a heart condition, isn't it? And it also involves our mind. Training, disciplining our mind to see the world around us, we can say through Jesus' eyes, to see the real nature of things, be able to identify things that we're about to trip over or things that have weighed us down so much We can see those things when we're looking at our life through the eyes of Jesus. Not my will, Father, but yours be done. When those words were spoken by Jesus in Gethsemane, they provided the extreme example for how we are to walk out our lives in submission and obedience to our Heavenly Father. Later, when the Holy Spirit came to us during Pentecost, one of the things the church received was the power to obey in the Lord. I think we can say that the only real hope we have of successful obedience lies in the middle of that first sentence. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Let's make sure we understand the phrase, in the Lord. The book of Psalms is rich in the use of the phrase, in the Lord. When we read, we can find so many examples. So as we look at these examples, quickly, think about how the in the Lord part is what facilitates being able to do this. Trust in the Lord. Or trust in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord. That's a little more clear. Shout for joy in the Lord. Boast in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Well, let's go back to boast. I thought we weren't supposed to boast. Well, it depends on what we're boasting about. 
if we're boasting about what God has done, if we're boasting about his faithfulness, yeah, it's the right thing. Boasting means I feel happy about this. Delight yourself. Delight in the Lord. Now, when I read the the words, obey your parents in the Lord, we can clearly see that this is a command for children and young people who know Jesus. Can an unbeliever who doesn't know Jesus be in the Lord or do anything in the Lord? No. When we're not in the Lord, we're stuck with trying to be good in our own strength. Sadly, the self-righteousness never really works out. I'm not saying that people who don't know the Lord, children who haven't accepted him yet, can't ever obey. Of course not. We see that all through our culture. We're talking about being able to obey so that we please the Lord. We can understand that Obedience that pleases the Lord is that which is done in the Lord. We can obey out of wanting to look good. We can obey out of fear. But the obedience that's beautiful to the Lord happens in him. We have to train ourselves to be in him. Kids, there's a simple statement you can easily remember. Obedience to your parents is part of your obedience to the Lord. In the Lord changes everything, doesn't it? For every believer, every child, parent, young adult, middle-aged adult, senior adult, old geezer adult, doing the right thing and making the right choices in the Lord is the key to pleasing the Lord. Honor your father and mother. Sometimes... The world gets it right even when they're not following God. I can't think of a culture until relatively recently which does not agree that parents should be obeyed and honored. Wow, history of the world all over the world. Paul here is quoting from the Ten Commandments given at Mount Sinai. Number five said, Honor your father and mother that it may go well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Who wrote the Ten Commandments? Please don't say Moses. This is God's idea. He wrote it down. That word honor is so important, but it's a bit tricky too. Mothers enjoy being honored on Mother's Day, don't you? True. And they deserve all the praise their children can give them. Fathers, however, seem to have a built-in need to feel honored. When they're honored by the children, I think they'll typically step up. They'll step up their game and try to live up to the praise their children give them on Father's Day. That's a good thing. 
Honor is defined in Webster as regarding or treating someone with admiration or respect. And respect, actually, it said. When the kids grow up, is the time for honoring mom and dad over? Pastor David Guzik has written, what it means to honor our father and mother may change as we grow into adulthood. But the principle always endures. The adult child does not owe the parents obedience. But they do still owe their parents honor. Honoring can be easy when the person being honored is respected and is actually honorable and respectable. Honoring people like that is easy. We like to see that. What if they're not always very honorable because of the things they say or do? Does that let you off the hook? Sorry, you don't deserve it today. Maybe tomorrow. This is not really the crux of the issue. You see, the act of honoring may have its greatest effect on the one who's doing the honoring. It's not always about the object of the honor actually deserving it. Just doing it helps bring peace. Peace within and peace between. It's a good thing. Thankfully, we can honor our parents in a way, even if they've asked us to do something you know is wrong. You can't honor them by doing the wrong thing, but in saying, this is what God says, and saying, I love you, I want to honor you, but I can't do this, because it wouldn't be in the Lord. God says it's good. Fathers. Okay, now we come to the second part of this little passage. The part that gets the mothers off the hook. <laughs> well, not really. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Provoking your kids to anger. How does that even happen? Does anybody get up in the morning mulling the possibilities for making their kids angry? I could do this. People don't live like that. Even so, every once in a while, you can't even make it past breakfast before there's some kind of blow up. Arms cross, eyes roll, Snorts are used as expletives, and at least two people have walked away mad at each other. Some days are like that. Now, moms, don't be looking at your shoes hoping nobody has noticed that these shoes fit your feet too. It happens way more often than we'd like to admit. We provoke our children to anger. I think maybe the fathers are highlighted here because God decided that dads will bear the most responsibility. Responsibility for how things go in a home. This important dynamic may also be why the enemy of our souls 
has been so hard at work destroying the influence of fathers in our society. You can find examples every day. Let's think for a minute about how fathers can provoke anger, the anger response in their children. Now, please don't don't think of these as a how-to list. Frequent criticism about whatever. That can provoke your kids to anger. Criticism should not be our default form of communication. Having a do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do attitude. Kids can smell hypocrisy from a very young age. Withholding justice or approval or affection. I should tell my kids I love them, but man, I'm so angry. Treating siblings inequitably. Notice I didn't say equally. (laughs) No two kids are alike. Not even the twins sitting over here are exactly alike. Treating siblings inequitably. It doesn't mean it's always true. Sometimes it's just the accusation of the child. You like my sister more. We have to consciously be trying to treat them equitably. How about this one? Pretty simple, not listening. That can make kids mad. Making fun of or goading or taunting a child. Breaking promises you've made to a child. Treating mom in a way she shouldn't be treated. Sometimes the kids' offense are because of what you're doing to their mother. Can this be flipped? Is this possible that mothers can fall down the same ditch? Yeah. All these and so many others can do severe damage to your relationship with your children. Even worse, it can create a false image of God that an adult child can struggle with for years. Man, let's not put obstacles in our way. You may be wondering how, how much fun it was for me to develop this sermon. This was a hard one. My short-term memory is not that great, but I still remember all the stupid things I did with and to my kids. I thank the Lord that they've forgiven me and they, they still show up. We all do this. God has told our children to obey us. That can be a hard thing for them to do. Let's not make it any harder than it already is. No provoking. Now, I need help from those who are 18 and younger. I need you to come up here. You don't have to come up, especially if you're really little. But if you want to, you can. But I need help up here. I need at least six people to help me. And, oh, I think I forgot to get a microphone ahead of time for this. 
Is there a mic up here still working? Behind the piano. <laughs> I feel like I'm on a treasure hunt. Yeah, come on up. You see a microphone? Any of these? There we go. We have the yellow one. Okay, we're not actually going to go to the piano. I'm going to ask you guys to be my witnesses. All of these adult people, who used to be children, by the way, they're going to raise their hand if something you say to them is true. Okay? So the thing you're going to say will start with, please raise your hand if. All right? I've got six of these. Who wants them? There you go. You're going to be able to talk in the microphone? Good. Anybody? Anybody? You want it? All right, you guys get to hold the microphone lots. <laughs> All right, you ready? Who has number one? Okay, don't look at each other. Look at them and see if their hands go up. Please raise your hand if you would say your parents are almost always right about the things you wanted you to obey. Yep. Please raise your hand if you would say your parents were almost always right about the things they wanted you to obey. Wow, that's amazing. They had better parents than I was. Number two. Okay. Give the microphone. Raise your hand. It's all right. You're doing good. I'm nervous. Are you a little bit nervous? How about if I say it with you? Raise your hand if you can honestly say, I wish I had listened, listened to and obeyed my parents. So we're asking them the question. Raise your hand if you can honestly say, I wish I had listened to and obeyed my parents. Wow, even Al Carey's raising his hand. That's astounding. Yeah, and Rashad too. All right. I think actually that was number three. So, who's got number three? You can read number two, and it doesn't matter that it's out of order. <laughs> there you go. Please raise your hand if you can say that you were, you've seen very negative consequences in the, uh, if I can speak, in the lives of people who, when they were children, did not obey their parents. Please raise your hand if you've had perfect parents. <laughs> Good boy. 
extra serving of dessert today. For... <laughs> That's awesome. Other, just that one hand. Nobody had perfect parents. Huh. What are we up to? Number five? Who's got number five? And who's got the microphone? Please raise your hand if you yourselves were perfect parents. If you yourselves were perfect. <laughs> that same hand just went up. <laughs> huh. You see anybody who thinks they were perfect? No? Who's got number six? Please raise your hand. How many of you ag agreed that God knows what he's, he's talking, talking about? about. <laughs> oh. All right. Now, all you have to do is decide whether or not all of these people were lying to you. Personally, I think they were telling the truth. Hmm. Does it help you see your parents a little bit different? Just a little bit. That's good. All right. You guys, thank you for coming up. You can keep the paper if you want. I don't even know why I'm collecting these. Thank you. Hmm. A worthy exercise, I think. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. See if I can get through this. Yes. The world is now offering lots of ways to bring up a child. Some of these ways are just newly repackaged old lies, like the belief that our existence is just the latest expression of a birth, death, rebirth cycle. Some parents are teaching their children that there is no God at all. Don't worry about it. Do whatever you want. We're seeing a bit of that, aren't we? There's all kinds of stuff people are believing these days. Some parents are teaching their children that aliens seeded our planet and that our cosmic superiors are coming back to save us from ourselves. That'd be funny if it wasn't true. They're teaching that. What do our kids really need to know? Save your children from all the disinformation by teaching them what the Lord, their creator, says about who he is, who we are, and how we are to live, and how we are to find our purpose in him. 
Please don't try to leave this important privilege of parenthood to our schools or even our Sunday schools. They need to hear it from mom and dad. Children need to see that mom and dad are building their lives on the foundation of all scripture, living and making choices according to what that scripture says is true. Need to see it in us. And by extension, because we're a family here at Calvary, they need to see it in mom and dad's friends too. And in their brothers and sisters. How could we live a life of right choices before the Lord, in the Lord, if we're not familiar with what the Lord says is right? We may be observing and experiencing an unruly generation because so many fathers of this generation were not themselves taught to obey God's truth when they were kids. And so they don't teach it to theirs. We live in a society that tries to say that everything is true. If it's true to you, then okay, that's your truth. Yippee for you. Hmm. Everyone seems to like doing what's right in their own eyes. And don't you tell me what to do. I think that everyone will soon discover that it doesn't work that way. Jesus is coming back. It really is. To parents, well, you need to know that you need to know God's word. You need to spend time in it. Like this is news to you. We have to keep saying it from up here, hoping that Sunday morning is not the only time that the word of God is being consumed by you. Certainly Sunday morning is not enough. Parents, tell your children Bible stories. But please don't tell them like it's just a story. Sometimes the books that we see that were made for kids, they're so... They seem so much like the other books. The things they say, but it sounds like it's just another story. Please don't let your kids and grandkids grow up believing that what's in the Bible are just stories, except for the parables, which were just stories. (laughs) but they were teaching stories. What we read in the account are the accounts of real people who lived in real places over hundreds and now thousands of years. Real. We get to know how God interacted with them. And from that, we learn who God is and how to serve him. Right? They need to learn. They need to know about what happened when people of the earth 
didn't obey. And what, they, what happened when they did? Raising children who will choose to obey God and their parents depends on those children knowing what is true. What is the whole truth? What is nothing but the truth? For instance, they need to know that King David followed God and loved God. He loved God strongly with all his heart. Scripture tells us that even though he loved God, he made some really bad choices in his life that caused the deaths of a lot of people. That's serious. And so God threw him out, didn't love him anymore. That's not what it says. He's an example of how when we take our eyes off God, we can fall into terrible sin. He's also an example of how God forgives us when we confess our sin and return. He returned to following our Heavenly Father. David learned of God's discipline and his love. Not a story. It's what happened to this guy named David. We need to teach our children about how God was pleased with a young Solomon's choices. And so he blessed Solomon with wisdom and riches. Our kids also need to know that falling away from the Lord slowly over time can be the result of being seduced by the words and practices of other people. Even people we love or admire. People who do not follow God, but whose hearts belong to other gods. Our children need to know about King Asa, whose father was a good king of Judah. The Spirit of God came on Azariah, who then said to Asa, The Lord is with you when you're with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. What happened at the cross? Jesus fulfilled the law. And now, through Jesus, he will never forsake us. Aren't you glad that you're following Jesus in the age of grace? We can come back and know that he's always going to be there. He will never throw us away. Thank you, Lord. Asa did what was right for a long time, and the Lord blessed Asa. Later, however, out of fear of an invading army, Asa made a protection deal with the neighboring king of Ammon, Ben-Hadad. Ben-Hadad didn't know God, didn't follow God, but Asa came to him for help. The Lord sent a prophet, prophet, Hanani, I'm going to say, to King Asa with this message. Because you relied on the king of Ammon and not on the Lord your God, You have done a foolish thing. Now, you will always be at war. Oh, no. King Asa tried to rely exclusively on his own wisdom, and in doing so, he unintentionally created suffering for other people. He should have trusted the Lord. 
do we finally earn enough credits that we can quit following the Lord? Quit listening for his voice? No. This goes through to the end. So many of the accounts of what happened in Scripture help us to understand who God really is and what he wants from us. As mom and dad, you need to understand, or you need to make sure your kids understand the underlying principle that God was showing us in his word. The stories are not just for entertainment. Sometimes you got to dig a little deeper and ask God questions yourself before you tell your kids what was going on there. Because lessons of obedience are all throughout Scripture, we need to dig them out for ourselves, understand what they teach, make sure we teach them to our children. The discipline of trusting in the truths of Scripture, trusting in the Lord's goodness, trusting in the Lord's sovereignty, that trust is created by repeated use. Repeated use. Ask the Lord for wisdom in how to teach his truths to each child. The same approach may not be best for each child. Even ask the Lord when to bail out a child and when to let them learn a lesson as the Lord's discipline. No, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Okay, some final recommendations. Moms and dads, Children, make an agreement as a family, maybe even today. Agree with each other. Go to Galatians 5.22. Look at the list of the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. I bet most of you can repeat the whole list. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control as a family. Ask God to teach you how to live out these qualities in your family. The whole family goes to the Lord and says, Help us, Father. We want to be pleasing to you. How to live it out to your family first, and then how to live it out to the world around you. Okay, kids, three more things for the children among us who want to please God. Number one, ask your dad and mom to teach you the most important things about God, who God is, and how he wants you to live. Show them, I've got an open heart here. I want to know. Ask God to show you who he is and how you should follow him. So your parents show you and you can ask God directly to show you. He'll organize things in your life that sometimes aren't very comfortable, but he's showing you how to be disciplined and how to, how to live out the fruits of the Spirit. Thirdly, lastly, ask God to show you how to walk in, in humility. You see, you don't really know everything. You will never know everything. It's not going to happen. The older you get, the more clearly you understand. 
that you don't really know much at all. Can I see raised hands for that one? Mm -hmm. So, kids, get a head start on your adult life. Choose to walk humbly with your Lord.